Good morning, church. I'm Candy Easley. I'm the executive pastor here at Bethany, and I'm so excited to be able to share with you this morning out of God's word. And I've been an excited uh, fan of the Olympics. I don't know if some of you have been watching the Olympics, but last night there were these swimming medleys. The women were going for all four of them, intense race, lost by like, like 0.03 of a second and got second place. I mean, it's a win still. It's second place. It's silver. And then the the men came on strong and they were inter- they made it to gold. They're being interviewed, all four of these swimmers. And one of them has, was asked what it was like to be preparing for the Olympics when they couldn't be swimming together. And he said something like this, we just had to trust that like over the past 16 months, each of these guys were doing what they needed to do so that when we brought it together, we, we would have what it takes. They, they just had to trust that the workouts and the, the uh, in the water, the off the water, the weightlifting, the, the fitness, the eating, that all the practices were coming into place that when they came together uh, before the Olympics, they'd, they'd have what it took as a team. And I think that's true of us as people of faith as well. Christianity is a team sport. Following Jesus is meant to be done together, not just on our own, in our own practices, but with this sense that we belong together. So whether you're here in person, we're so grateful that you're here. Whether you're online, we are so grateful that you are online. We are one people of God. And today we're gonna look at the goodness of God. We're gonna look at the character and the conduct of God and how that becomes true in us and our capacity to be representatives of the goodness of God. So let's consider this word good. Let's just start. Have you ever looked at a word and you say it or you write it, you type it enough times, it starts to almost sound funny? Try this out. Good luck, good measure, good manners, good health, good job, good sport, good old days, good natured, good deed, good example good measure, good manners, good health, good deed, so far so good, baked good, good for nothing, it's all good, good taste, good riddance, good weather, good enough, good news, sounds good, good night. We probably use the word good multiple times every day. And if we think of a long list like this, that's how Jewish people of Jesus' day felt about being good. It was a long list of things to do. There was a list of laws, like 600 laws long. So the way to become good was to do these things and fulfill these requirements. And today we're gonna look at a different approach to goodness. Last week, we heard from Pastor Richard about kindness. And sometimes when you read that list of the fruit of the Spirit, can it sort of feel like, well, goodness, kindness, aren't they pretty close? Let's look at it this way. Kindness is, uh, involves being generous and considerate of others, which is a result of goodness, if you will. It's like kindness is the living out of goodness. Goodness has to do with with our character, of the quality of doing what is right, what is just, of having integrity, 
and then of being a force for good. So a person uh, who embodies goodness isn't just independently good. It's like goodness is a team sport as well. Goodness is the opposite of evil. And we're going to discover really the goodness of God as we dive into this scripture today. Please pray with me. Great God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you want to guide us to be like you. God, we thank you that you want to grow in us the fruit of your Holy Spirit and that you've invited us to do this together in community, not just to pursue you on our own, not to fulfill a long list of requirements, but rather to be in relationship with you, with one another and with the world in such a way that others would come to know you by the way that we live and the way that we love. So use this time together to plant your good seed Uh, of the fruit of the spirit of goodness in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in the scripture reading this morning, Jesus himself is asked by a rich young man, what good deed must I do to inherit eternal life? What good deed? So so this guy is, is thinking that there is a list of good deeds, and if I do them right, and Jesus presents him the commandments, and and he, he says, you know, okay, he's, he's listening. Jesus also responds, why are you talking to me about what's good? There's only one who is good. Jesus has the humility, even Jesus who's God himself, to point to God the Father, God the creator, and say, that's the one who is good. So we see that this character of God is represented in Jesus, that the character of God is good. So that's our first point. We start, when we think about goodness, we start with the character. Moses wanted to see the glory of God too. And and he asked God and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you. Can you imagine all the goodness And God says, my glory will be so big, you won't be able to see it. Like you won't be able to look at me. It will be so bright. You'll have to to protect your face. Psalm 103 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a good girl. Maybe some of you did too. I'm the oldest in my family. My sister was born six years after me. And so about in the first grade, second grade, I started to especially want to achieve at school. And one of the ways that we were taught you could achieve at school is during the summer, there was a reading competition. And so you would read as many books as you can And in the hall of our elementary school, there was a big construction paper tree, like brown trunk, big, big kind of giant green background, like blooming out across the the whole hall. And what would happen is when we came back to school in the fall, we would pick up a fruit. And they were cut out fruits. Probably I volunteered to cut out fruit as well. I don't remember that part. And there were different fruits and you'd pick up a fruit and you'd write, I believe in Sharpie marker, the book that you had read. And then you would take your fruit that had the name of the book and you would staple it onto the tree. And, and I kind of thought, you know, you, you get a head start and it was great. I learned a lot. I love, learned to love reading, learned to love reading in the summer, which you'll hear more about. But here's the reality. You can't staple on 
the fruit of the spirit. We can't just come along and say, here I am, faithful, patient. No, it has to come from within. I've been doing a lot of reading this summer, um, and one of the books that I've been enjoying is by Yaa Gassi. It's uh, the book she also wrote, Homecoming. This book is called Transcendent Kingdom, and uh, it's described this way by the Boston Globe. It's a novel. It takes place in the vast, fragile landscape where the mysteries of God and the certainties of science collide. And, and I have just really been enjoying this book, and she, the, the main character, uh, she has some autobiographical elements. Uh, her uh, experience reflects mine as well. She approached her piety, she says, in the same way as she approached her studies, fastidiously. She, she says, I spent the summer after my eighth birthday reading my Bible cover to cover, a feat that even my mother admitted she had never done. I wanted above all else to be good. And I wanted the path toward that goodness to be clear. I suspect that this is why I excelled at math and science where the rules are laid out step by step, where if you did something exactly the way it was supposed to be done, the result would be exactly as was expected. She hears the words, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. That's Psalm 34, eight. And she wonders, how do I do it? Do I read my Bible cover to cover? Do I, do I pray without ceasing? What would that look like? And she asks her mother, what, would it, what is it to pray without ceasing? And, and she says, I, I, can't, I can't pray all day. And her mother says this, if you find it difficult to pray, why don't you try writing to God instead? Remember, everything we do is prayer. God will read what you write and he will answer your writing like prayers from your pen to God's ear. So she takes up the practice of writing a journal all the time. And it, it kind of continues this dialogue that she has with God. She's trying to shape her thinking, not, not by the rules, but by a relationship with the goodness of God. What would it look like to taste and see that the Lord is good? I ask myself that question. Because sometimes it feels as though goodness isn't apparent. The word good um, comes from the Greek word. Okay, I've got to find my place in my notes here. The good word uh, comes from the Greek word agathosune. And this is where we get the name Agatha. There's a famous uh, author in the 1900s, uh, Agatha Christie. Some of you may have read her. She wrote Mysteries. And in her Mysteries, there is kind of a tension of good and evil. And the, the detective is like the good, he's hunting down evil and, and usually wins. Agatha Christie uh, was a very quietly devout Christian. She kept her mother's copy of the imitation of Christ at her bedside. She was letting this, these ideas of, of goodness seep into her stories. So we see that the goodness of God is in the character of God. The being of God is good. And then we see, secondly, that the conduct of God is good. Nehemiah 9 recounts the goodness of God and says, Though Israel is a stiff-necked people, he contrasts that to God. God is forgiving, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. The apostle Peter describes Jesus as being anointed with the Holy Spirit and that Jesus went around doing good and, and healing people and casting out demons. Jesus said this about himself, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He, he poured himself out. That was his conduct. There's a saying in the church that goes something like this. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. But sometimes we wonder, don't we? Is God good? Because if God is so good, then why do bad things happen? Why doesn't it, why does it sometimes feel like we're, we're caught in a kind of a spiral of badness? We're, we're, we're caught in something like the story, uh, the children's story of Alexander's terrible, no good, very bad day. Have you read this story? Alexander goes to sleep with gum in his mouth and he wakes up and it's, it's in his hair. And then he goes to school and his best friend tells him he doesn't want to be best friends anymore. And his second best friend doesn't want to be best friends anymore. He gets down through the list where he's eating lunch by himself. His family goes to the dentist and, and he's the only one with a cavity. He, he ends up with lima beans for dinner, which he hates. And he just wants to move to Australia and get away from it all. I've heard that kids in Australia and New Zealand say they just want to move to Timbuktu. Want to get as far away from here as I can. Sometimes it feels like we're caught in something exponentially worse than Alexander's no good, very bad, terrible day. And sometimes it feels like it's going on, not just for a week or a month or a year or 16 months, but like it's coming back at us. There's a gap between what we know to be the goodness of God. We've glimpsed it. We read about it in Scripture. We, we hear about God's character. We, we see about God's conduct. And yet our human experience is other than that. Our character, our conduct falls short. There's a big gap. In Galatians chapter five, the apostle Paul is contrasting this fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. Have you got it memorized yet? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Like those are the, the, that's who we want to be. We want to be filled with those. And yet as Jonathan read, there are also obvious acts that work against these fruit of the spirit. Idolatry, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, sexual immorality. There's a list on that side as well. And Paul seeks to close this gap, to connect us with the goodness of God, to tell us about how Jesus builds this, this bridge that we can head this other way. I was thinking about this as a, a bowling analogy. I don't bowl a lot, but I really like bowling. After you get through the challenge of like, how heavy of a ball do you need? And is there a grip in which your three fingers fit properly into the holes, just the right amount where you can hold the ball and it's gonna come off your fingers when you want it to? So you line up, right, in the bowling alley. And in the Olympics, I've heard that for the women who are shot putters, uh, about the length of a bowling alley will get you a medal. So just imagine like that bowling ball over your shoulder. Anyway, that's Olympic shot putting. But let's say when you're bowling, you, you want to line up and you want to release that ball, as I understand it, not that I'm good at it, in such a way that your thumb's going to point kind of where you want that ball to go. It's gonna, and, and that ball's going to follow that line. But have you had this experience where you get up there, you line it up, you, you want that strike, you want those pins to go down, and you release the ball and it's going down the alley and it's kind of going 
to the side and and I try to move it, you know, like I'm watching it, like go, go back, back this way. You know, it's too late. It's already released. There's even something, if you're really not a good bowler or like teaching my kids, when your, bowl just, your ball just wants to go toward the gutter, they have these gutter guards that come up. It's like, nope, your ball can't even go in the gutter, even though it wants to. Imagine if there were kind of a magical disc or something that you could put on your ball. And it would be like a magnet and the pins would have a magnet and you would take your ball and you'd line it up and you'd release it and like it would self-correct. It would go the way it's supposed to go. Maybe you'd get a strike or a spare or something every time. What would it be like to be able to embody the goodness, the character, the conduct of God, to kind of hit a strike every time you go out? Well, we're not built that way. We're built in some way that we're dependent. We're dependent on the Spirit of God being in us like that, like that imaginary magnet. I've heard a story that goes like this. It's called the two wolf story. Maybe you've heard it. One day, an old grandfather sits down with his grandson to teach him about life. He says this, a fight is going on inside of me. It's a terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil. He's full of rage, jealousy, arrogance, envy, greed, sorrow, regret, resentment, lies, laziness, and self-pity. And then the grandfather continues, the the other wolf is good. He's filled with love, joy, peace, generosity, truth, empathy, courage, humility, and faith. This same fight is going on in every one of us, even you. The grandson thinks about this for a moment, and then he asks his grandfather, which wolf wins? And the old grandfather simply replies, the one you feed. Which one are you feeding? The Apostle Paul's biography is sort of a before and after story. Paul thought he was feeding the good wolf. And Philippians tells us this. Paul bragged about this. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew born of Hebrews. As to law, he was a blameless Pharisee. As to zeal, he was a persecutor of the Christian church. That was before. And then the persecutor became a preacher who then says, I count everything that came before this as rubbish that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. His whole life is reoriented. It's like a figure ground shift, which I think is actually similar to what has unfortunately happened to Simone Biles, the American gymnast. She went to compete on the vault and and somehow as she was flying through the air, she got what they called the twisties, where like the, the, the ceiling and the ground got all mixed up and she didn't know where she was in the air. What would that be like? I have a little empathy for that, a tiny, tiny bit. Once upon a time, I was a gymnast in high school. And once upon a time, I dared to do a vault that was a handstand vault. And I thought I could do it. I, I couldn't get as upright as I needed to be, but, but I did get up there on my hands on top of that vault. And then once I was up there in that split second, I didn't have the strength to get myself over. My, my legs just like stopped and I dropped on the other side of the vault and my arms didn't hold me, I fell on my neck. 
And I spent an afternoon on that wood gym floor in, on the peninsula in California. I couldn't feel anything from the neck down. And the emergency people came and my parents came and I could see that they were taking out sharp things and they were sticking them at my feet and I could feel nothing. Super scary. Here I am. I had a neck brace. I wasn't broken. It was just injured. But when your world gets turned upside down, when you see that you kind of got it wrong, that you're spinning in the wrong direction, how how do you get going the other way? How do you set things right? How do you receive that character, that goodness of God that that kind of puts your life in the direction of, of God, of goodness, of who you're called to be? This battle rages within us, a battle for the good. And Paul seems to lay out this idea in Galatians chapter 5, and and Christianity, sometimes followers of Jesus, take this as a list of do's and don'ts, as if we could check them off. But it's more than that. It's a claim that God has put his good spirit in us, that we are made free. Galatians 5 opens with, it is for freedom Christ has set you free. You're you're no longer slaves to 600 laws. You're free to let the spirit of God rule in you and shape you. So how do we do this? It's as though both wolves, both appetites are within us. Now, some of you may have wondered as I was telling that two wolves story, like, Isn't that a story about a Native American grandpa? It's often told that way, or about a Cherokee representing the the wisdom of Native American people. But I did some research and I could not find that. I could not find it written, uh, how it was written. In fact, it appears that it might be that an evangelist, maybe even Billy Graham, made up this story, maybe, and and put it in in the words of someone as wise as he could imagine. But there is an alternate ending to the story. The grandson asks, which wolf wins? And this alternate ending says this, if you feed them right, they both win. How you choose to interact with the opposing forces within you will determine your life. Starve one or the other or guide them both. Can we acknowledge that within us there lives faith and doubt? Within us, there lives a great capacity for good and there lives a great capacity for evil. We know that we have the free will to go this way or that way. So that brings us to our third point, capacity. Humankind has a capacity unlike any other creature. The word for good in Hebrew is tov, And it's used often in scripture and in conversation. It's almost a ludicrously little small word like the or okay, but it's also an infinitely expansive word. When tov stands alone, it's like, okay. Or it can be used when there's like silence and a conversation's over like, okay, or anyway, or like, okay, tov then, see you tomorrow. And it is this word that God uses to describe what God sees after completing the various acts of creation in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created heavens and earth. And God said, let there be light. And God saw that the light was good. And there was evening and morning the first day. 
And God created the sea and the dry land and says that it's good. Then the trees bearing fruit and God calls that creation good. Then on the third day, God looks at creatures, cattle, wild animals, everything that swims and creeps along the ground, swarms of living creatures and calls them all good. Then on day six, God says, let us make humankind. And then God saw everything that God had made. And God said, this is tov miod. This is very good. It was all good, 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 and then very good. When humanity was created, God saw that in this image of himself, in this image of God, there is something very good because we have the capacity to be like God in our character, in our conduct. And this is the good news. We are set free from the pressure of fulfilling a law. We're set free from the confines of guilt and shame. We're made new in the person, the conduct of God that became a human being, the person of Jesus. We're given strength in this Holy Spirit that Jesus blessed us with, strength to be part of a bigger story, to be part of the work of God, to be part of the conduct of God in the world to be the very good image of God. This past spring uh, at our house, my husband and I had a, like a kind of a dead space in the yard. It was just, just plain old dirt and it grew a lot of weeds. And so we decided to, that this was a good season to plant perennials and some shrubs and some bushes. And we brought in a bunch of good soil. And I've been watering these plants and Eventually, uh, some things started to grow up that we weren't sure about it. There are a lot of weeds, like, ah, oh, there must have been some like weed seeds in our good soil. Okay. And then there started to grow this plant that was something, looked like something I've always wanted to grow, which is a pumpkin, but I hadn't plant, planted any pumpkins. But these leaves were quite large and it looked like a squash of some sort. Some garters might be like kind of, you can picture it, good sized leaves, long stalk. And then it started to grow like Jack and the Beanstalk. Like it felt like one day we came out and it had gone eight feet. And then the next day, like 15 feet, it's overtaken the whole walkway. And I had a friend who gardens come over and she said, you know, Kendi, that might be a zucchini. I was like, okay. Well, there was not only this one plant that looked like it might be a zucchini. There were probably 50 of these plants. And I thought, I do not need 50 zucchini plants. They're very prolific. So I, you know, pulled some out. Whoops. Pulled some out, and I left about three of them. And now, as time's gone by, about maybe a couple weeks ago, it started to have blossoms. And it, again, it kind of looked like it could be a squash of some sort. Well, now it has what looks to me like a small pumpkin. It's, it's about this big uh, on one of the three plants. I do not yet know, is this a sugar pumpkin that I can make a pie with? Or is it going to be like a good-sized pumpkin? It's going to be a jack-o'-lantern? Or is it one of those really cool gourds that I think I actually fed to my chickens last fall? And, it, and maybe the seeds just got in the ground. You know, it's one of those kind of ones like warty and, and gnarly and like perfect for putting out on your porch on Halloween. I don't yet know what kind of fruit this vine is going to bear. But I know that the good soil gave that thing an opportunity to grow. How is that with us? Can we provide God with that kind of good soil in our life? 
How do we gain this capacity to grow the kind of fruit that God wants to bring about in our life? If our character is to be like that of Jesus, Jesus said, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. How do we get this kind of character? We, we hang out, I think, with Jesus. You know, what does that look like? Our, our son Mason went to college in Texas, and sure enough, while he was there, um, he started to date this really wonderful woman from the South. She's from Louisiana. And the more time they hung out, um, Mason is now married to this woman, Paige. Uh, the more time they hung out, the more he started to say things like, y'all, and yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and, and I couldn't get used to it. But he was hanging out with someone who spoke that way, and, and he started to speak that way. It, it kind of rubbed off on him. You know, they even say that if you want to be healthy, hang out with healthy people. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, hang out with people who expand your your thinking about Jesus, who draw you near. Charles Spurgeon, the British Baptist preacher from the late 1800s, put it this way. You see, the fruit of goodness born in our character is born in our character as we abide in the true vine and we let his life and his love nourish us. So we hang out. We hang out with, with maybe authors, with people that shape our character. So it's not just uh, what we think about, it's kind of what we do as well. These fruits lead, these roots lead to these fruits. Maybe you've enjoyed, as I have also, uh, again, back to the Olympics. I only do it in the evenings, and my husband and I have decided we allow ourselves to eat dinner and watch TV. Usually those two don't go together, but during the Olympics, it's okay. So we're getting both things accomplished. Um, there's been this great women's beach volleyball team. Now, I'm going to put aside the whole controversy of the fact that they have to wear bikinis. seems ridiculous to me, but there they are. They're out there, two of them, playing their hearts out, and one that I've admired. I wish I could say they're going on to win gold, but they last last night in the, I think, quarterfinals, um, or they aren't going to the quarterfinals. One of them is Kelly Clace. She's 25 years old, and uh, she reflects on her journey to the Olympics and all the playing time that didn't happen during the pandemic. She says this, I've spent a lot of time reading and journaling, and I'm diving into the Bible a little bit more, and this quarantine has given me a lot of time to dive into the Word and my relationship with God and it's been really fruitful. This past year, I've had the time, and now I'm seeing the fruit, and I hope I remember these moments when things are crazy and hectic. I hope I can fall back on these quarantine months. Sometimes during quarantine, I felt alone, but I wasn't because God was with me. I can lean back on those experiences when things get crazy again. She's describing about the roots that she had been putting down and the fruit that she hopes to have. We're not alone. We feel alone sometimes. I watch those Olympians and think there's no crowd. They they don't have their families with them. Some of the families will see those watch parties at home, and after an event, right on national TV, we see the athlete who maybe won a medal, maybe won gold, and and they see their family at some sort of watch party, maybe small, maybe large, and, and there's this connection, this reminder that you're not alone. That's how Christianity is. It's a team. It's meant to be a team sport. There's an author, uh, Robert Putnam, who wrote a book called Bowling Alone. 
You know, there used to be a time when many, many people in the 50s belonged to bowling leagues. And he describes how American culture has become like bowling alone. Like we no longer do things together. And he describes that the hope, the hope of culture is the coming together of people of diverse backgrounds. And that can happen. Even Putnam, the uh, Harvard sociologist who is like, I think the third most quoted college uh, professor in all college courses, something like that. He says the hope, it can be in, in religious institutions that bring people of differing uh, backgrounds together. Good people drawn together with, to be one in spirit, doing good things, being with Jesus. It leads to doing the work of Jesus. So what is this work that Jesus is encouraging us to do? Matthew 7 says this, So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Titus 3.14 says, Those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and, and not be unfruitful. Hebrews 10 says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to what? To love and good works to love the root and bear the fruit. Good works are actions that we do to reflect the character and the goodness of God himself. They're obvious opportunities, cases of urgent need. And what do these look like to you? Maybe it's the asylees who are coming in uh, into the Seattle area and they're they're held in detention and our own uh, shelter is now becoming a place where these folks can spend a night when, when they're released and they're, they're waiting for their hearing. They, and they get to come here and, and have a little bit of hospitality. You can learn about this in coming weeks. Maybe it's making breakfast for the unhoused folks who are uh, part of the Aurora Commons community. Maybe it's helping us as we come together to be physically present to each other, to lead our children back into relationship with each other to have that opportunity to lead and shepherd young people. Maybe it's in the everyday ways to show goodness at home, to serve one another, to count others before yourself. Maybe it's in our business dealings. You're filling out a form, be a person of integrity, say say what's true. Maybe it's just in being fair, in being just. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Let's not run out of steam. Let's not run out of the desire to do the right thing. Let's not run out of the capacity to be the good soil in which God wants to plant his Holy Spirit, that we might bear the fruit of the Spirit. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you don't leave us on our own. You don't tell us that we must fulfill all righteousness, but rather that we must follow, that we must follow you in humility, that we must follow you with the confession that you are God and we are not, that you are good all the time and we are not. And yet, our God, we thank you that you so move through humanity, through us, that you can shape us in accordance with your will, that we could be a people who live in such a way that others might come to know you and to love you. So good God, may the spirit of goodness uh, dwell in us, we ask, and bear good fruit in Jesus' name, amen.